This is Viewpoint with attorney and author Chuck Chrismeyer. Viewpoint is a one-hour talk show confronting the issues of America's heart and home. And now with today's edition of Viewpoint, here is Chuck Chrismeyer. Last Friday, President Joe Biden was speaking with a group of his donors in which he claimed that the United States was ready to start a new world order. And that the United States was the country and the only country that could do such, a new world order. Whatever that new world order would envision, but Russia was not happy with that declaration. In fact, was very unhappy with that declaration and basically stated that it was the launching of World War III. Were they right? Were they wrong? Or was it just merely setting the stage, finessing the stage for the eventual World War Three, If there is to be a World War Three, we don't know from the Bible that there is to be a World War Three other than one called the Bible, excuse me, Battle of Armageddon. But that would seem to be something a little distance off because the events, the strategery, the conditions have not yet been established for that to take place. So, there seems to be so much yet to be accomplished, and yet the agendas are being declared. And that's what we want to take a look at here today on Viewpoint. You see, it's not just what people say, but it's when they say it, how they say it, and what the other conditions surrounding what is said are at the time. And so, if we're going to connect the dots, we need to look at a much bigger picture. So today, as always, we're going to attempt to look at a much bigger picture. We can have a declaration of a one-world order led by the United States, and that we know from all the discussions that we've had here over the last several years that that is exactly what the liberal leaders of the United States of America have in mind. That's why they hate Donald Trump. They hate Donald Trump precisely because he said he was going to make America great again, and they said no. Not on our watch. We're not here to make America great. We're here to start a new world order, a new world government, to unite the governments of the world into one great amalgamation to be ruled from wherever, perhaps in Central Europe. That's their goal. It has always been their goal, going back to 1950, when James Paul Warburg stood before the United States Senate and declared, we will have a one-world order, whether you like it or not. We're either going to have it by consents or c- consent or by the sword, one way or the other. That has been the goal. Whether you talked about the Trilateral Commission, the Bilderberger Group, or uh, all of these other, the Council of Foreign Relations that people so often talked about in the 1980s and 90s, we're not here to focus on that now because that's old information. Yes, indeed, those things were setting the tone, setting the stage for a one-world government, but we're way beyond that now. It's, it's out of the closet. The trumpet has sounded for a new world order. The problem with our thinking about that is we tend to think literally concerning that idea. In other words, when talk is about a new world order, that there's only one such new world order that's being talked about, and that's not true. 
The new world order that is customarily being talked about is one formed by the Western world, the resurrected Roman Empire, just like the prophet Daniel spoke of in his prophecy. But then there are others that are competing for that honor to head up a new world order. The whole launching of the so-called BRIC countries, B-R-I-C, BRIC countries, led by Russia and China, is one demonstration of their effort to form an alternative one world order. Then in addition to that, we have the Islamic world that has no intention of combining with the rest of the world. They believe the rest of the world are all adversaries of Islam and adversaries of Allah, and therefore must be destroyed, starting with the Jews, then the Christians, and then everybody else. They have no intention of a new world order along the lines that anybody else would think of, but they do believe. Whether they're coming from Iran, whether they're coming from uh, Indonesia, whether they're coming from Turkey, it really doesn't matter, because it's endemic in the Quran and the Hadith that Islam is to rule the world. Therefore, it would be an Islamic one-world order. So you see there are at least three of these great world orders that are in the process as we speak. Who will all the players ultimately be? Well, we see them forming. It's right in front of our eyes. It doesn't take a, a, a rocket scientist or a Philadelphia lawyer or whatever to figure it out. It just doesn't take that much if you have eyes to see and a will to see it. So what we're going to take a look at today, having established those things for parameters of our thinking, is to take a look at what has happened just in the last week with regard to the U.S., Russia, China, Israel, and Turkey. Those are the main players that we're talking about here today on Viewpoint. They are the biggest players. We could say Ukraine as well, but Ukraine is somewhat of a standoff right now because it's been ongoing now for a year and a half, two years, and uh, people are beginning to wonder if the Western world is cooling with regarding to its support of Ukraine. I'm not saying that they are. I'm just saying people are beginning to wonder if that is not the case, including Mr. Zelensky over there in Ukraine. Which leads us to another question, and that is, why was Ukraine in the mix in the first place? What was the whole purpose of this? Why is it the United States did everything it could as heading up, basically heading up NATO, the largest, most potent country as part of NATO, to push for Ukraine admission into NATO, knowing that Russia had for years said, don't do that, you're bringing it way too close to our borders, and that's threatening our country. We're not going to let that happen. NATO and the United States were warned about that for many years. But it didn't matter because... Ukraine was being used as a puppet to manipulate other aspects of the pursuit for a new world order. 
Please understand that. It may be a little difficult to grab a hold of it right now because the tendency has always been we're going to go for what appears to be the underdog, and uh, therefore, as we go to support the underdog, uh, there's this tremendous rush the rivers of time and energy and talk and everything are, you have to support this, otherwise there's something wrong with you. I'm not saying we should not support Ukraine, but I'm saying there were massive ulterior motives in stirring up the matter of Ukraine or NATO that stirred up the violence of the Russian bear. We'll be right back to look at the bigger picture now as it responds to Biden's claim call for a U.S. New World Order. Once upon a time, children could pray and read their Bibles in school. Divorces were practically unknown, as was child abuse. In our once great America, virginity and chastity were popular virtues, and homosexuality was an abomination. So what happened in just one generation? Hi, I'm Chuck Chris Meyer, and I urge you to join me daily on Viewpoint, where we discuss the most challenging issues touching our hearts and homes. Could America's moral slide relate to the Fourth Commandment? Listen to Viewpoint on this radio station or anytime at saveus.org. I appreciate so much the privilege of being able to address you day after day after day, five days a week, live here to talk about the issues that matter most, uh, confronting the deepest issues of America's heart and home from God's eternal perspective. Actually, we're talking about not, not just the issues that face America's heart and home, but face the hearts and homes of Christians all over the world. All over the world. All over the world. And it's happening so rapidly that it makes your head spin. It really does. But today, we're not going to focus on uh, issues of uh, persecution and so on. We'll deal with that at another time. But today we want to talk about, continue talking about, Mr. Biden's call for a new world order led by the United States. So I'm looking at the Russian Times And uh, the U.S. president is right that a global change is necessary, just not the one he seeks, says Moscow. The Kremlin spokesman, uh, uh, Peskov, told journalists on Monday, that is, two days after Mr. Biden made the statement last Friday, that Russia agrees with the U.S. president Joe Biden's comment made last week that the current global order has lost steam. However, he added that the outcome may not align with the White House's expectations. The Russian official claimed the world indeed needs a new order based on absolutely new principles. According to Peskov, the new arrangement should be based on international laws, not arbitrary rules devoid of attempts to concentrate all mechanisms of global governments in the hands of a single nation, i.e. the U.S. Whatever the new world order the U.S. envisions, he said, it means an American-centric world order, a world revolving around the United States. He said, this will not be any more. Now, you can agree or disagree with this statement. You can rise up in American hubris and say, no way, no how. That's exactly what Joe Biden did. Biden claimed that Washington can, quote, unite the world in ways that it never has been, unquote. If we're bold enough, he said, 
He went on to say, we were in a post-war period for 50 years where it worked pretty, pretty well. But that sort of ran out of steam. It needs, he said, a new world order in a sense. The president said that reality can be achieved because, he said, we're the United States of America. And there's never been a thing we've set our mind to that we haven't been able to accomplish. Well, that's what Nebuchadnezzar said back in his day. That's what the Persian leader said in his day. That's what Alexander the Great said in his day. Hmm. That's what the head of the Ottoman Empire, Suleiman, said in his day. That's what Caesar Augustus said in his day. Words are cheap. And pride goes before destruction in a haughty spirit before a fall. We need to be very, very careful if we are endowed with certain powers unlike others. We need to be very careful about how we steward those powers rather than spread them in monstrous hubris and pride. Because pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. The prophet Isaiah said, all the nations are as a drop in the bucket. All the nations are as a drop in the bucket. Hard to imagine, isn't it? As an American, that all the nations are as a drop in the bucket. Now, I'm not putting down our country. I've loved my country. Land of my birth. Grandest on earth. I knew all of those wonderful songs from my youth up. My youth went all the way back to 10 years of age. I know all those wonderful songs. They touch my heart, and they were sung from my heart. But that does not mean that I can rise up in a kind of uh, unrighteous hubris and begin to pound my chest like a Pharisee and say, I thank God that I'm not like other men. And that's what the world is seeing. That's what the world is hearing. And it's not being received with welcome ears. Now, in response to all of this, Russian's top lawmaker slammed Mr. Biden's New World Order plan. He said Washington's efforts to preserve its hegemony risk starting a new global war. This was uh, Mr. Velodin in his warning. Malone was reacting to remarks by President Biden, who said last week on Friday that a new international order was needed and that Washington can, quote, unite the world in ways that it never has been. Well, if that is true, then why haven't we done it? What's waiting in the wings? I'll tell you what's waiting in the wings, friends. The global reset. This is the reason why John Kerry, a former candidate for the U.S., former Secretary of State for the United States, and the appointed uh, environmental czar by uh, Biden, said immediately 
after his election that Joe Biden's inauguration would catapult the new world order down the track, the Great Reset, as never before. That he was the one to catapult this new global reset world order, the new Western world order, the resurrected Roman Empire, into a new, complete global order. And, as you well know, they have set the date 2030 for that to be accomplished. 2030. It's the same year that the United Nations has established for their agenda to be fulfilled. 2030. It seems that that's the direction that so many other movements behind the scenes that are setting the stage for whatever grand new world orders to take place is going to take place. Now, as we sit here on October 2023, that would put us six years away, at best six and a half years away from the fulfillment. That's not much time. What can happen in that much time? Well, you know how dramatically things can change in that much time. Just look at what happened with the threats concerning COVID. Just look at what happened with Russia's attack on Ukraine. Just look at what happened with uh, uh, Hamas's attack on Israel. All it takes is a spark to get a fire going. You know that. We all know that. It only takes a spark to get a fire going. The Russian official claimed that the United States has inflicted harm on the world in attempting to save its hegemony, in other words, its control, causing a disruption of international commerce through trade wars, a deep crisis in the European Union, tensions over Taiwan and hostilities in Ukraine and the Middle East. Well, obviously, a statement like that is an expression of viewpoint. But it is their viewpoint. It may not be your viewpoint. It may not be my viewpoint. But it's their viewpoint, and viewpoints determine destiny. They determine the choices that people make. They determine the choices that world leaders make. They determine the choices that world leaders coming into confederation and consolidation with one another make. He went on to say, attempts to reshape the world to fit the American mold will not lead to anything good and can only result in a global disaster. That's the warning for Mr. Volodin, the uh, top Russian's top lawmaker. He said Biden's New World Order remark, while he was meeting with donors as part of his re-election campaign, touting the U.S. as an indispensable nation. He said he insisted that the U.S. was up to the task of leading all humanity. Wow. Leading all humanity. Well, that's what George W. Bush thought. That's why one of the main reasons we went into Iraq and Afghanistan. And he had the idea, the vision, that we were going to save the world through democracy and we were going to export democracy onto nations that had absolutely no interest in democracy and their fundamental belief systems recoiled against the very idea of democracy. But it didn't matter. We're going to save the world through democracy. 
That made democracy an idol. Because there's nowhere, from God's viewpoint, that that is the salvation message for the world. The salvation message for the world is that through Christ and Christ alone, receiving his shed blood upon the doorposts of your house, and humbly repenting, confessing your sin, repenting and turning from it. That's the message. That's the good news. But for George W. Bush, that wasn't sufficient. How do we know that? Because he said immediately after 9-11 that Jews, Muslims, and Christians all worship the same God. And two weeks later, he said, all religions worship the same God. How could he have possibly been a born-again Christian as contended by Republican evangelicals when, in fact, he didn't even believe the most fundamental element of the gospel? That Jesus is the only way, the only truth, and the only life. That no man will come to the Father but by him. So you see, what's happening is that the world wants to create its own salvation messages. Each one of these new global orders will have their own salvation message. In one way or another, the Western One World Order will have its salvation in power politics and democracy, just like ancient Rome. The Muslim New World Order will have its salvation message in you must bow to Islam, you must embrace Sharia law, and you must embrace uh, Muhammad, or off with your head, or you will come under a horrific tax burden, such as you will never rise from it again and will have absolutely control. That's the Muslim New World Order, their viewpoint for salvation of the world under Sharia law. And then there's also the other emerging world order, And that is the Eastern World Order, composed of now Russia and China and uh, Indonesia and Thailand and all of those other lands in Asia. They now are having their new world order emerge. What will be its signpost? Economic power. That's one of them. That's one of the key elements of the emerging BRIC nations. And somehow, some sort of a belief system that unites them all and divides none of them. So it's going to be political and economic. Those are the two elements. Religion will be out. Religion will be largely out in the Western One World Order. Unless, of course, you embrace the papacy's version of Catholicism that will embrace virtually all religions as long as they'll recognize the papacy as the head guy. Now, you have it. That's where we are. That's where the response is. 
And Moscow and Beijing now are promoting a new model of the what is called the Asian paradox. China is no longer a regional Asian power, but a global one. The current conditions, the classic Asian paradox, that it's either economy or cold politics, but not both. Now it's both economy and hot politics that's uniting China and Russia. The classic Asian paradox model isn't applicable anymore. Something dramatic is taking place. What's going to happen with India and Turkey? It remains to be seen, but we'll hear from Turkey in just a moment. There is so much more about Chuck Chris Meyer and Save America Ministries on our website, saveus.org. For example, under the marriage section, God has marriage on his mind. Chuck has some great resources to strengthen your marriage. First off, a fact sheet on the state of the marital union, a fact sheet on the state of ministry, marriage, and morals. Saveus.org. Marriage, divorce, and remarriage. What does the Bible really teach about this? Find all of this at saveus.org. Also, a letter to pastors, the Hosea Project, saveus.org, and many more resources to strengthen your marriage. It's all on Chuck's website, saveus.org. Again, you can listen to Chuck's Viewpoint broadcasts live and archived. Save America Ministries website at saveus.org. Again, I welcome you back to Viewpoint. I'm Chuck Chris Meyer, and I want to make available to you uh, my book, King of the Mountain. Many of you have it. Uh, if you don't have it, you need to have it because it will help you to understand these dynamics going back uh, thousands of years to the creation itself and even before that to the battle between Satan and God in the Mount of God in the heavenlies. That's where it began. And so Satan said, I will be like the Most High God. I will ascend to the heights of the north. In other words, I'll rule from the Temple Mount. And so it's said that he who rules the Temple temple Mount rules the world. And that's what Satan is intended to do through a an individual uh, that ultimately will have all power uh, delegated to him uh, in the world by at least one, if not all, of these uh various power groups, these New World Order groups, uh, in order to unify the world and somehow bring an alleged peace on earth, goodwill toward men, as a counterfeit prince of peace. So, that person we know as the Antichrist, the counterfeit Christ, and he will not be made manifest until there is a great falling away. Notice the Bible does not say that that his uh, manifestation will not take place until there's a rapture. The Bible does not say that, doesn't even allude to that. It does say that the Antichrist's manifestation on the earth will not come about until there is a great falling away or apostasy of professing Christians. Let that come to your heart and reside in your heart I know for many people it's going to provoke an awful lot of thoughts. You need to really think about it seriously. 
You really do. Because if you don't, you won't be prepared. You just won't be prepared. And you won't prepare anybody else either. You'll lead them down the primrose path like the Pied Piper right over the cliff spiritually. The book, King of the Mountain, The Eternal Epic and End Time Battle. It is a $20 book, and it's yours for $15 on our website, saveus.org. Saveus.org. Give us a call at 1-800-SAVE-USA, 1-800-SAVE-USA, or write to us at Save America Ministries, P.O. Box 70879, Richmond, Virginia, 23255. Writing a check at $5 for postage and handling. Now, there are many people that are asking a lot of very foolish questions these days. For instance, I received one today. What color is God? What color is Jesus? Was Jesus black? Come on, friends. Where are our minds focused? Why would we be focusing our minds on such trivia when we sing a song like, What color is God's skin? It's red and yellow, black and white. Every man's the same in the good Lord's sight. Why in the world are we so intent on finding out what color Jesus' skin was? He was born in the Middle East of two Middle Easterners. They were both of the seed of David, going historically back, and the seed of Abraham, going historically back. There was no indication of any blackness or uh, any African-American-ish thinking or involvement or enculturation going back in their heritage. But what difference does it make? It doesn't make any difference because God manifested himself in Jesus Christ. The Bible doesn't have to tell us what color he was or what nationality he was. It's very clear. It's implicit. Why do we want to ask questions like that? There's only one reason, pride. We want to identify in some form of pride with his color. No, come on. In Jesus Christ, they're neither black nor white, bond nor free, male nor female. We're all one in Christ. Get over our pride. Pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. Let's focus on the things that matter. Things that matter. Things that require us to be responsible for and do something about. And as we share these things concerning the developments in our world right now, competitive new world orders and so on, there's a reason for that information. It's not just information to titillate our ears. It's information to help us connect the dots of biblical prophecy and the times that we're in 
so that, here are the key words, so that you and I will take seriously these times and will conduct ourselves accordingly. And we will prepare our sons, our daughters, our children, our grandchildren, those in our spheres of influence, the pastors will take more seriously their responsibilities for their people and will stop trying to pander to their tender sensibilities and be more concerned about pleasing God than pleasing people. How would things change if you could be assured that Jesus was coming back on November 1st? 2023. What would change in your life? What would change in your life if you were convinced and had an absolute conviction that Christ was returning on January 1st, 2024? What would you do differently? How would your attitudes change? your relationships with people, pastors, the nature of your messages. That's what we're talking about here. That's why Jesus gave parables. Many of his parables were to help us take seriously the times immediately before his coming. He said, and and the Apostle Paul said, don't let these things take you unawares. To the Thessalonians, he says, these things should not take you unawares. You have been warned of them. You've been told them. You've been taught of them in the, in the scriptures. Why is it you don't get it? Hmm? We've been on the air here for 28 and a half years. You wonder sometimes, is anybody listening? Then praise the Lord. There are those who will call. There are those who will write. For instance, today, somebody called from San Francisco, California. So incredibly encouraging. Said over and over and over, thank you, thank you, thank you for what you're doing. We're listening to your program coming right out of the the waters of San Francisco Bay at 4 a.m. in the morning. We listen every day. It's such an encouragement. Praise the Lord for that. And so we press on. A song that's kind of haunted me today is one out of the past. I'm pressing on the upward way. New heights I'm gaining every day. Still pressing on and on as I'm onward bound. Lord, plant my feet on higher ground. Is that your cry today? Plant my feet on higher ground. A contractor friend of mine called me. He had just come back from climbing Mount Kilimanjaro, almost 20,000 feet there in uh, Africa. And uh, because I've done a lot of climbing in my day, earlier days, uh, I was interested. He knew I'd be interested. And I'm thinking, you know, we should have this understanding that somehow we are ascending the Mount of God. In his name. Do we have that sense? 
that we're on a climb to a destination that leads to a promised land, a summit, the summit of all history? Are we ready for that? Have we been prepared? I asked my friend, who has been running marathons, I said, how are you able to handle the uh, altitude? Did you get altitude sickness? He said, yes, I did it at 15,000 feet. It was very, very uh, disconcerting. I said, and that's a guy, you, you're a guy who was preparing. He still got altitude sickness. What kind of sickness are you going to get, my friend, spiritually, when the pressures increase, when these things are taking place, and one of these new world orders or all of them begin to put the pressure on what are you going to do? Are you going to be able to stand in the evil day and having done all to stand? Are you going to be able to continue this climb? Or are you going to give up and be like those who will fall away, just can't take it? We hear a lot of talk about spiritual warfare, but I don't think we have a clue what spiritual warfare is about. Friend, spiritual warfare is about war. Not war in the flesh, but war of our spirit against the flesh and against the spirits of our times. And unfortunately, many, if not most, professing Christians are gradually succumbing to the pressures. I watch it happen from coast to coast. I've been watching it happen ever since I was teaching school from 1967 to 1975. I watched it in Southern California. I watched it when I practiced law for 20 years in Southern California and speaking all over Southern California in churches and so on to Christian people. And I've been watching it for the past 30 years since we've been in Richmond, Virginia, doing this radio program. The spirit of our time is to fall away. Don't let it happen to you. Now we press on in the final segment of this program, taking a look at what's happening in Turkey. Have you ever considered what the early church was like? Many people are developing a heart longing for a greater fulfillment in our practices as Christians. A recent study showed 53,000 people a week are leaving the back door of America's churches in frustration. What is going on? Why has there not been even a 1% gain among followers of Christ in the last 25 years? Could it be that God is seeking to restore first century Christianity for the 21st century? Jesus said, I'll build my church. Is Christ by his spirit stirring to prepare the church for the 21st century? The early church prayed together and broke bread from house to house. They were family, and it was said by all who observed, behold how they love one another. Incredible. But the same can be found right now. Go to saveus.org and click Sell Church. We can revive first century Christianity for the 21st century. It's about people, not programs. It's about a body, not a building. That's saveus.org. Click Sell Church. Again, I welcome you back to Viewpoint. Turkey, or Turkey, as they now want to be known, is ready to approve NATO expansion, North Atlantic Treaty Organization. This is amazing. This is history, friends. This is big-time history. Sweden. I'm 50% Swedish, 
My grandfather and grandmother were 100% Swedish. Sweden's accession must still be ratified by the Turkish parliament and then approved by Hungary. But Turkish President Erdogan has signed Sweden's NATO accession protocol and sent it to the Grand National Assembly of Turkey for ratification. This is amazing because he's been opposing it. Erdogan, head of a Muslim nation who himself has a vision to rule the world as head of a Muslim enterprise, a new world order, like a resurrected Ottoman Empire, is approving Sweden joining NATO. He already approved Finland joining NATO. He finally dropped its opposition after securing a promise from Joe Biden that they would be allowed to buy 40 new F-16s and a pledge from Stockholm that it would help revive Turkey's moribund process of accession to the EU. In other words, the European Union. Oh, so Turkey now is going to wield a major lever a political lever, a military lever, in order for Sweden to gain NATO membership. Why would the U.S. give 40 new F-16s to Turkey when Turkey has no love lost for Israel has embraced Russia in many, many ways, is being used by Russia to carry Russia's oil to Europe and make vast amounts of money by doing so, and wants to start, wants to head up a Muslim empire to rule the world, Why would the U.S. give him 40 new F-16s? Are we not actually giving him the very weapons that will be used against us and Israel? This is the kind of game that Joe Biden plays. He's willing to give up important things like Esau willing to give up his birthright for a mess of pottage. Now, I want to bring something else up about this. If it had not been for Russia attacking Ukraine, Sweden and Finland would not be part of the North Atlantic Treaty Organization, NATO. But now, the attack on Ukraine actually precipitated the geopolitical conditions for two nations to join NATO and the resurrecting Roman Empire that never would have been part of it. Do you see how things work? Do you see how God works even through the nefarious deeds of men. So, 
That having been said, it remains to be seen what happens with Turkey. But Turkey has aligned itself with Russia. And yet Turkey was once an ally of the United States for many, many, many years, but turned its back on the United States and embraced Russia, that it was its arch enemy for many, many, many years. These things have taken place just in the last 20 years, friends. You say it could never happen, but it does. Then the former German Chancellor, Gerhard Schroeder, made a statement recorded in the World Tribune that the Biden administration deliberately upended negotiations that were held in Turkey last year that were aimed at a peaceful resolution to the Ukraine-Russian conflict. In March of 2022, he said the Biden team refused to allow Ukraine to negotiate a peace deal. Just refused. Why? That's the question. Not what, but why? Because Joe Biden wants to use Ukraine as a device to accelerate the development of this new global order. That's the tool. Whether Ukraine itself becomes a member of NATO or not, that's the tool. And it's worked so successfully that now it's actually driven Russia into the arms of China. So that's the next thing here. Consumed by hubris, U.S. military industrial complex looks ready to step right into a trap laid by Russia and China that will forever change the world for you and your children and grandchildren. Military maneuvering now out there. There's so much that we could talk about. I don't have time to go into the details of this. But suffice it to say that uh, these sides, China and uh, Russia on the one hand, and uh, the U.S. and the Western world on the other, are engaged in a high-stakes game of chess. And one miscalculation by either side may lead to full-on war between the world's two most heavily armed nuclear superpowers and their allies. On the one, you have the U.S., the U.K., NATO, Canada, Australia. On the other hand, you have China, Russia, Iran, North Korea. And who knows what will happen then with Turkey and India. Times have changed. And we have actually prepared China... The globalists, going back to Richard Nixon in 1971-72, have actually prepared to finance China's military and economic buildup, much now to the chagrin of America. Oh, we, we got a lot of financial benefits from it. For a while, we sure did. And now... General Lloyd Austin, U.S. Defense Secretary, reveals the trap which Russia, China, and Iran have opened 
and the desperate measures the U.S. is taking, and it falls into it. He's announced that he's redirected the movement of the USS Dwight Eisenhower Carrier Strike Group to another direction. He's uh, I've activated the deployment of a terminal high-altitude area defense battery as well as additional Patriot battalions to locations throughout the region to increase force protection for U.S. forces. Not Israel, U.S. forces. The Central Command and its responsibilities officially, the Arab and Iranian territories east of the Mediterranean shoreline focusing on the Persian Gulf and the Red Sea and targeting Iran, Russia, and China. In a small change that could have major meaning, the Pentagon officials are telling the press the U.S. is changing its plans for the USS Dwight Eisenhower Carrier Strike Group. The change could place the strike group in waters where Chinese warships have been in active recent months. I thought he was going, sending them over there to Israel. Apparently... General Austin feels that the United States is under massive threat from China. A question was asked, Israel's power comes from being America's top favorite, but what happens if Washington orphans the Jewish state, either deliberately with calculation or because the U.S. is attacked? and unable to stand in the gap for Israel, then what? Can I suggest to you what the then what is? Israel will be forced to rely exclusively on the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob instead of the God of American power. So much... Another article, he says, here's why Israel's continued existence is not guaranteed in the long term. Well, Israel's existence is guaranteed in the long term because God guarantees it. But that doesn't mean it isn't going to face a major, major trial, which it will, because the Bible says so. So here's a question I have for you. Do you really know what the Bible says? I'm not talking about what your favorite psalm says. I'm not talking about whether you know what John 3.16 says. Every child can know that. I'm wondering, do you really spend quality time in the Word every day? Every day. Not just once or twice a week, but every day. Are you really seeking the Lord with a whole heart? He said, seek me while I be found. Call upon me while I am near. Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts and let them call unto me. For I am merciful and will abundantly pardon. This is the kind of time that we're in. It's not, you could call it a very negative time in that sense. On the other hand, it's a very positive time. The early church thought that the second coming of Christ was a blessed hope. They were looking forward to it. Are you? You see, 
once we have been ensconced in a position of considerable prosperity, it's very hard for us to contemplate. First of all, to really count our blessings. And secondly, to contemplate what it might be like and whether I'm able to stand when things aren't going so wonderfully. In fact, whether it seems like the whole world has turned on its head. You see, you and I are called to become overcomers. There's no sense in even talking about the word overcoming unless there's something to overcome. And the greater the thing to be overcome, the greater the triumph in the overcoming. Right? So, in my upcoming book, When Persecution Comes, I have two chapters right in the middle of the book that I trust are going to be so helpful and so encouraging to you in times like these. Really, we need all the direction, all the encouragement that we can get, don't we? That's my heart. It's not to strike fear and terror into people, but like a good coach. A coach isn't going to let his team get by with playing footsie with the other teams. Now there comes a time to sober up and get serious. And that's what God is saying to us by His Spirit, isn't it? Thanks for joining us. I hope this has been helpful to you, certainly informative, but helpful as well to strengthen, to encourage. Get a copy of the book, King of the Mountain. Uh, It's a $20 book, yours for $15. On the website, saveus.org, it'll open your eyes to what is really happening out there. You're going to be surprised. You're going to be really surprised as you read it. It's going to open your eyes. Go to the website, saveus.org, get the copy that way, King of the Mountain. Call us, 1-800-SAVE-USA. Become a partner, friends. A number of people are starting to become partners. I'm so thrilled, so glad. But don't let it pass you by. You can be blessed by becoming a partner. God bless you. You've been listening to Viewpoint with Chuck Grissmeyer. Viewpoint is supported by the faithful gifts of our listeners. Let me urge you to become a partner with Chuck as a voice to the church declaring vision for the nation. Join us again next time on Viewpoint as we confront the issues of America's heart and home. 